Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Mike Gerisi, the Chief Digital Officer of Molex. Molex is a manufacturer of electronic, electrical, and fiber optic connectivity systems. The company offers over 100,000 products across a variety of industries. Molex is a subsidiary of Coke Industries, which acquired the company roughly eight years ago. Mike has been in his role for roughly two years, and he's a seasoned tech exec, having been a chief information officer at multiple companies, including Aramark, Royal Caribbean, and Tory Birch. He brings depth and breadth across business to consumer industries that he brings to business to business environments like Molex. Mike, welcome to Technovation. It's great to see you today. Thank you, Peter. It's wonderful to be here, and it's great to see you again. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But first, a word from our partner, Transmit Security, and the company's co-founder and president, Rakesh Loonkar. Transmit Security is a cybersecurity organization that focuses on identity experience and is enabling a secure and passwordless future. They also recently received the highest Series A venture capital investment in history for a cybersecurity company at a valuation of $2.2 billion. Rakesh wanted to share a couple of recommendations for technology and digital executives on how to improve a company's cybersecurity infrastructure. Thank you so much, Peter. First, I strongly recommend to take part of their budget and dedicate it to really innovative companies. It has to be built into the budgets up front so that it serves as a forcing function to really look for new technologies. The, the second recommendation is outside of identity. There are two very interesting classes of security technologies that are emerging. The first one is improving the quality of code to make sure that your developers are not introducing software vulnerabilities. The second is cloud security. I think we're in the first inning of hundreds of companies that will be created offering really innovative ways of securing the multitude of problems in the cloud environments. I just want to leave your audience with this last thing. Every single time they have to enter their password, change their password, can't remember their password or any other problems, please remember Transmit Security. And now for a word from our partner, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Yes, Peter. Even before COVID hit, most savvy private equity businesses were looking for recession-proof companies as their targets. Or businesses that are thriving in the fourth industrial revolution, meaning those that are blurring the lines between physical, digital, and biological spheres. We at Zoho are positioned to help CIOs blur the physical and digital divide. Be it serving your customers, we provide marketing, sales, and support solutions. Or running your operations, we provide HR and finance tools. Or empowering your people, we provide powerful business intelligence, collaboration, and communication tools. Or for building differentiation, we provide business process optimization, low-code and no-code platforms to deliver apps faster. Learn more on how Zoho enables CIOs to thrive in the fourth industrial revolution at Zoho.com. Thanks, Timothy. And now on to the interview. Well, uh, Mike, you were the chief digital officer of Molex. And I wonder if you could take a quick moment, and for those who may be less familiar with it, provide a thumbnail sketch into Molex's business, please. Sure. Molex is a global provider of electronic componentry, connectors, cables, 
a software industrial 4.0 products. I mean, we compete in a lot of different spaces. You know, I like to think of us as kind of the, we're part of a lot of things people use. You just don't know that we're part of it. So, <laughs> so everything from autonomous cars to NASA, you know, Mars Rover devices to things as simple as microwaves and washing machines. And you know, our goal is to make it as easy as possible for the folks who ultimately deliver those products to their customer to do so in a, in a really elevated and competitively advantaged way. That's a good overview. I appreciate that. And and you yours as a business is, that's part of the the broader Coke industries. And that maybe you could correct. talk uh, talk and reflect a little bit upon that. I'm curious um, to what extent uh, you know. So in other words, you've got a number of peer organizations to say nothing of peer chief digital or information officers across a variety of different organizations. How, how does that does that work? Is it is it particularly meaningful on a day to day basis? Is it something that is uh, just more occasional in terms of the collaboration across the broader you know the broader organization? Well, Peter, it's interesting. Molex was purchased by Coke Industries roughly eight years ago. I joined, I joined the company in October of 2019. So that, that integration was well on its way you know, prior to my arrival. I think you know, Coke is a pretty amazing company. I mean, there's so many industries that the company competes in. It's, it's incredibly well-run and well-led. There's a culture that exists here. It's called market-based management. And there's multiple dimensions and principles that we focus on to help create value. And you know, Charles Koch, who is, you know, for all intents and purposes, the leader of the business, has written books about this. And one of the things that we do very purposely is ensure that we are sharing knowledge, and we call it knowledge processes and knowledge sharing across our organizations to where it makes sense so that we can create value, both in the industry that we compete in and potentially complementarily in other areas that might not be as obvious in terms of value being shown up. So to your point, it is something that... Um, I think I think we're getting better at it. It's certainly a focus, and I spend a decent amount of time with my peers across the KI and and externally for that matter, because we really believe that there's always better ways to do something, and, and we kind of need to help lead that and lead the organization through the, the understanding of that. That makes sense. Well, so I mentioned earlier that you're the chief digital officer, and I wonder if you could take a moment and just describe your purview in that role, please. <laughs> well, it's uh, digital means so many different things to different people. Right. right? <laughs> my role, so I view my role kind of, it's almost like a, I wear three different hats, if you will. The I'm responsible for the technology organization. So kind of your like CIO type role. I have responsible for digital transformation. So for Molex, what that means is helping redefine our business operating model. And, and how do we ensure that we're connecting our customer to how we show up every day through the lens and a filter of our employees and making sure that our employees are positioned to drive value into the marketplaces which we compete. And then like kind of the third aspect is really around just education. Like where, where do we think we could be going as a business? What sort of experimentation, hypothesizing, incubating? Like and 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 to be fair, Peter, we don't, I would tell you that my the the overwhelming majority of my time is spent on that middle area, that the transformation of the business operating model. But we we do also need to keep experimenting because you know we're not always completely correct <laughs> that we've got all the, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. So that's kind of my role. Uh, I spend almost all my time with the leadership team and my team uh, with customers, super focused on how we connect our capabilities in a way that advantages 
our customers to derive value and that they're willing to reward us for. And, and if not, then we have to ask ourselves, well, why, why, are, why are we doing these things? <laughs> Well, let's talk about that customer, Mike. I find it so interesting as somebody who has been in several different major B2C organizations, Royal Caribbean, Tory Burch, to name a couple, um, in addition to B2B companies in your past as well, like Aramark, for instance. Um, I, I wonder if you could take a moment and, and talk a bit about your vision uh, in terms of customer experience and impacting the customer, because uh, there must be some advantages, I would imagine, in having sort of a B2C orientation as part of your past experience and bringing some of that insight into a B2B environment. Talk a bit about that, if you would. Peter, it's fascinating. When you think about the direct-to-consumer or your, your B2C businesses, they, they really had to kind of get out in front of this way earlier, if you will, because the consumer was being empowered with so much optionality and different choices. And it wasn't necessarily all product innovation. It was really the experience of delivering that service or that product where the experience itself kind of became a product. And companies that really figured that out and were able to leverage that information, that data, if you will, to inform their organizations, got out in front of companies that, quite frankly, didn't. Well, in B2B, for some reason, we kind of forgot that, well, that's actually a person in that company. I know it's a company, but they're made up of lots of people. And shockingly, those people are consumers, too. And they have optionality also, because the fact is that just like they're doing in their personal lives, they're comparing how effectively can I do what I'm being asked to do? How much value are you helping me create? And are you really advantaging what I'm trying to do in the context of how we execute our value chain? And I'm going to compare you to whatever the last great experience it was. It may not be a B2B experience. It very well could be a B2C. So, so for us, our vision, it's all around customer experience. It's how does the customer intersect with our company? And we compete in you know, a few different verticals, medical, industrial, and automotive, you know, consumer, consumer, you know, mobile telephones, things of that nature. And then we also have a business in the high-speed data services and like data center and high-speed backplane. So all those customers have different need states based on what they're trying to deliver to their end consumer, but they are all consumers. So if we're able to help them drive value more effectively, they're going to prefer to work with Molex. And, and quite frankly, it helps elevate our relationships. So when I first started, we built this vision around customer experience. And it was so interesting, Peter, because the company is like, well, what do you mean? We're super customer oriented. Like we are all around servicing the customer. I'm like, yeah, no doubt. I mean, clearly, if you weren't, you wouldn't have the brand principles and, and the reputation that you do. But how easy is it for that customer to do that? Like how much work do our employees have to take on to deliver that? And that's really what helped create the basis of our vision, our one Molex vision, which is all around customer connectivity through our operating model, really differentiating our employee experiences, the ones that most impact those customer outcomes in a way where it's elevated and they can just quite frankly do it better than the competition. You referenced the operating model, and I know it's an area that you're also transforming uh, in, in now nearly two years, roughly two years in, in role. Talk a bit about some of those operating model changes, especially in light of what you've described as some of the broader changes that you're, you're making that are impacting the customer. Well, we've we've taken on a program where we're really redefining our, our commercialization capability. Everything from new product innovation through our manufacturing operations and plant 
floor capabilities and 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 really how we think about sales and operational planning how, how does that all kind of come together so that we can do it more effectively what's interesting is that molex grew up as a pretty entrepreneurial very federated business i mean the folks who started this business the crable family they built an incredible business and it quite honestly competes in practically every aspect of the globe in some capacity but their belief was that each one of those business leaders or those plant leaders needed to have decision rights on the P&L and how they were trying to optimize the outcome for that marketplace, which they were serving. Peter, what it created was a whole lot of localization in terms of how we think about running our business. Well, you know, lo and behold, you know, the world evolves, customers evolve. <laughs> we started becoming a global business and we are now a global business around verticals, products and, and customers. Well, if all those locations are still kind of doing their own thing, their own way, it's going to really make it hard for us to scale efficiently where the customer needs us to be more effective. So let's be really, really directly honest around what are we doing that creates value for the customer and our employees versus what are some things that just need to get done? And they really don't have to be differentiated because it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't really matter in terms of how the customer perceives what we're doing. So we've been very, very purposeful in focusing in the areas that we believe the customer values and is willing to reward us and where, quite frankly, they don't. Well, let's just make sure we're competent. We don't have to be spectacular at everything. In fact, you can't. So our, our, our operating model is really around making sure we can bring products to market faster, do it in a higher quality way, do it more cost competitively when we need to. You know, make sure we're finding opportunities to innovate with our customers faster than our competition and really position our business so that we are absolutely the preferred partner. And the change culturally is, is massive, right? Because you're moving from a lot of at you know localized decisions that people had territory rights to. Like, hey, this is the reason I show up to work and you incented me to do this, by the way. So don't tell me I was doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and, and then helping you know, connect them to the vision on, yeah, you're right. And that made sense then, but this is why this makes sense now. So there's a ton of change management and people-to-people you know, -people engagement. Our, our team is hyper-focused on experimentation. What I mean by that is, is showing people. Don't, don't just talk about it. Show them. Mock something up. Give them something they can touch and feel because what you're talking about for them is not necessarily tangible, and they don't always understand what you mean. So let's help them connect to the vision. And what we're finding is it helps us win hearts and minds faster than doing PowerPoint decks and things of that nature. So it's good. I mean, it's, 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 it's a heavy lift, Peter. You know, these things are never easy, but we, we really feel good about our vision and we're starting to see it lead to very positive outcomes in the areas that we've been able to make progress against. It's a really interesting uh, um, set of circumstances and activities that you're describing, Mike. And as you point out, that's a real cultural change. And I like how you linked it to change management activities, uh, you know, these one-to-one -one collaborations, as you put it, uh, communicating the ultimate value and rationale behind this to get beyond what is naturally going to feel to some as a lot loss of autonomy, basically paraphrasing as you just, uh, as you just put it. And uh, I'm sure it, it's easier said than done some days, uh, um, but but uh, 
but it, you know, important to make that case and to 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 see the value through. Um, I, I just before we leave the topic, because I think it is really salient. There are a lot of organizations during these sort of uncertain times uh, who are, to a greater extent, um, you know, developing more of a a common framework, uh, more of a, a, a standards across the organization where they may not have been previously. So I wonder, you know, as as you think about some of the key ingredients to foster that cultural change, any other anything else come to mind that you would sort of underscore? Well, I I will tell you that from a technology perspective, being able to integrate the data and making the data available and really focusing on kind of modernizing that infrastructure. I mean, it's um, a lot of manufacturing companies grew up as ERP companies, right, Peter? I mean, that's kind of what IT did. And ERP is really important. And it's not less important than, than it used to be in terms of driving the transaction process into the business. But what we have found is that it it's really about those key employee interactions with the customer that need to be reimagined and recreated in a way that allows that person to achieve the outcome that the customer needs them to, to create the right value outcome. And, and I think what, what people are starting to see is that there's ways of creating the Molex operating system that works really well for our company and does advantages, advantage us in the, in the context of our competition. And it's not about an off-the-shelf software product. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's not about making sure everyone's using exactly the same application all the same time, right? It's really thinking about what is that layer of capability that I need to create over and above those data services layer that when that capability needs to be executed at speed with a high degree of quality, that person can actually focus on driving that outcome. And we don't have them doing a whole bunch of human middleware work where they're you know, cutting and pasting and putting things in spreadsheets and they're emailing them all over the company. And then we're trying to find the data. We can't find the data. You can't make the data relevant. It's not actionable. I mean, all of those things that happen, which by the way, none of it's malintended. It's, it's never meant to be that way. But because we really don't think about what that person has to be able to do to be successful, we don't create that environment. So now you're challenging that employee to say, you have to work harder, you have to work smarter, faster, you have to do it with less, but we're not going to give you the right tools because quite frankly, there's that's not an off-the-shelf product or that's not how we show up. So the connectivity to tech and the mental model around what the role of technology really is had has to completely transform. And that's been that's been a really big challenge for us, Peter. That's not an insignificant you know, effort. And, and connecting people to that, particularly IT folks who are really proud and, pr- and prideful of what they've been doing, it, it's, um, you know, you've you got to really be committed to it. <laughs> so, but I, I feel that that's how we're connecting people to this. How, how is that wine plant manager on the specific area in this, how is what we're doing going to create more value for that person? Because if we're not, and we're making their lives harder, they should not use our services because we're not helping them. And so it's, you really have to be committed to being intellectually honest about what's working and what's not and what needs to change. Another way, and you've alluded to this, another way in which uh, the technology and digital part of the organization can can impact that change and provide uh, a rationale and a reputation uh, 
that burnishes the credentials of that organization is through employee experience, you know, and, and fostering greater employee capabilities, leveraging technology. Um, talk further about some of the activities you and your team have undertaken to, to, to move in that direction as well. And so we, we've really uh, tried to create a technology operating model that directly connects to our business operating model. And the advantage capabilities that we're focused on, you know, new product development, our, our ability to you know, connect our fulfillment model to that, being able to make sure that people have the right information so they can make the best possible decision to help us you know, be where we need to be, whether it's supply side flexibility or just better planners, you know, be more, more effective in terms of our forecast. We, we had to create teams that really could understand that. And what I mean by that is like a, like a product team. So we, we, we redefined technology to be, there is certainly a core technology service capability that we need to have. And that's kind of what traditional IT would look like, if you will. And We've we've globalized that because that was a regional model before. And then what we put kind of on top of that, if you will, not hierarchically, but as a service, so almost like an architecture stack, are these product teams that are focused on things like supply chain, product development, manufacturing operations, customer experience. We've we we brought people in who really understand what it means to kind of lead with that from an innovative perspective. And then those resources work extremely closely with our business teams, almost like they're part of their business teams. So there's no longer this IT versus the business or business versus IT. And and what we're doing is we're defining roadmap functionality based on that area that needs to be advantaged. And more importantly, how it connects to the entire digital thread that flows from the minute we accept an order to the minute we fulfill something. Like, can we really do that effectively? So the employee experience ultimately is what is what that person can do to fulfill against what the customers ask them to do. And, and are they, do they have the ability to, to innovate in their space so that they really can change how we impact our operating capability? So it's a it's a, a very different model. It, it it requires different skills. We we've had to transform our team in in multiple ways, and we're still doing it. Quite frankly, I mean, we'll probably never stop. But what I feel good about is that we have really good uh, connection to the vision between our business leaders, our technology leaders, and now our customers. Of course, our customers went on this journey with us. They were providing input. They were providing feedback. And they've had to kind of go through this with us because, honestly, it's for them, right? <laughs> if we do it just to service ourselves, that's not really going to be very productive. And, and I think um, I think we've got a really good vision. There's, there's a lot to do, but I, you know, I'm confident that we're not trying to you know, uh, boil the proverbial ocean. You know, we're 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 pretty focused. We're moving quickly. We're we're trying to keep things within a sense of control and an impact. Show quick wins. Constantly making progress. And uh, you know, we're on the precipice now of being able to deploy some technology at scale that will fundamentally change how we show up in the marketplace. And, and I'm excited about that. That's that is exciting, and Mike. Clearly, you're a catalyst for this change as a leader of your your organization. But as you pointed out, uh, you, you needed to change uh, some things in terms of how the the digital organization works as well. 
Uh, talk a bit about the extent to which this sort of change requires new blood. And obviously, again, you were representative of that uh, within the organization a couple of years ago. Um, it, it, as, as, and then complementing that with training people, uh, so taking existing people and providing them new skills or capabilities, those at least who are who are able and willing to, to make some of those changes. How have you thought about the balance between those two levers, among perhaps others, uh, to do the people change that you required? Well, you know, Peter, it's interesting. I think people think that, oh, they're transforming their business. They'll just bring all new people in and, and, and it'll all be super easy. <laughs> well, the fact is that you have to be able to run the business and that requires individuals who know how to run the business. So what we have, what we have tried to do and pretty purposely is there were areas where we just didn't have talent. Like it just didn't exist. Like data services, for example, we didn't really have an enterprise data services capability that was going to be critical in terms of helping the transformation. What we do have a lot of is a ton of ERP experience. We we probably have as many people who know SAP. Uh, it's pretty remarkable how well we can support SAP in our company, which is a good thing because quite frankly, SAP is really important to our organization. So what we tried to do, Peter, was be very judicious in terms of what did we need to add? How much of it did we need to add? of the existing talent base, who could possibly be part of new slash current services? And how do we make sure that we are showing up in a way where people understand what it is we're trying to do? Because a lot of folks might be a little intimidated by, well, what do you mean you're introducing all these new types of API-based microservice technology? I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, like, why should I care about this? And what we tried to do is say, hey, 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, did you know what SAP was? Because I don't think you did. But look where you are now and look what you've been able to do. So we might not need as many people focused on this area of SAP, but you you really understand our business. You're, you're really capable. If, if you want to go on this journey with us, there is all kinds of things that you could do that might actually be really interesting and fun. And you know, Peter, with all due respect, you know, a lot of times what happens with technology, particularly in non-technology companies, we we create uh, hierarchy and structure without really thinking about, well, what is that person's, what is their real comparative advantage? Like, do they really want to lead a team or do they want to go develop really cool tech and drive value? And, and, and a lot of times, some of those folks who were really, really good at developing tech ended up having to have teams because the only way you could probably pay them was to give them people <laughs> and elevate them in a non-technical way. So we're we're going through that and saying, hey, do you really want to lead a team or do you want to go like go build really meaningful product? And 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 people are connecting to it. So we're trying to be very, very, and I'll keep using this word purposeful. Let, let's not like just assume people get it. Take the time to work with each person. If, if they don't want to be here, well, then that, that's a conversation we can certainly have. But I think if they understand what we're doing, more than not, they're going to want to be a part of it. But if we don't help them connect to how they can contribute and, and be rewarded and feel good about it, well, then shame on leadership. That's, that's a failure of leadership. So I would say that in terms of giving you some percentage, if you will, of the existing base that I inherited, 85 to 90% of it has not been changed. Now, roles are changing and, and structure has changed, but those people are here. And quite frankly, if they want to be here, there's a ton of opportunity for them to contribute. But we've tried to bring in the right degree of new talent because you do need new talent. 
And you need leadership that has kind of been on this journey. They know how to do it. Not all of it can be on the job learned. And, and then make sure we're, we're balancing that effectively so that people feel like they understand their decision rights, they understand their accountabilities, they have the right degree of incentivization, and there's clarity around what, what it means to be successful through the context of the vision. That's a great overview, Mike. Thank you. I wanted to, as you think about that vision and as you look to the future, what are some trends that particularly excite you that may be making their way onto your roadmap? Well, you know, what's really, what's, what's kind of cool about being part of a technology company, you actually get to go, you can go build product. <laughs> and, and then you can see that product be commercialized in the marketplace. We um, obviously, a, a lot of connected products are, you know, I think there's meaningful upside, you know, beyond what's been completed to date, whether it's autonomous vehicles, connected medical devices. I mean, look what's happened with COVID and the pandemic and how that's, you know, impacted our our way of living and so forth. And, you know, it's really about making sure people are getting access to the care that they need with the data that they can take action on and, and we can move quickly, if you will. So we think there's a ton of opportunity for Molex in that connected product, you know, software product space. We, we think that you know, data remains an area that we believe we should be investing in. So, you know, AI and machine learning, augmented reality, uh, how um, you know, digital twin technology is something that's existed for, for a while, but it's becoming more prevalent across, you know, kind of your non, uh, what I call large scale manufacturers. So Molex did not have digital twin capability and, you know, we do. So now we can do things that we couldn't do before. But I think really connecting to our customer, Peter, and understanding, you know, what are the challenges that they have that they're trying to overcome? And given that we're kind of a connector business, for lack of a better description, well, how do we help them? How do we help them integrate their businesses more effectively so that they can drive value to their customer faster? So I, I see us like becoming you know, more software oriented, you know, learning how to combined ecosystems, if you will, the co-creation, if, you know, how, how do we get to market faster? We work with some of the best technology companies in the world, really, really bright people who have very high expectations. But if we're just providing them a part number and a product, how integrated are we really to their, their network? Are we really part of their value stream or are we just, we're providing something which is important, but it could be disrupted and replaced, right? So how do we make sure that we're continuing to evolve that relationship? But we think that the world of data is, um, there's significant opportunity that remains, even though good progress has been made and being able to apply it to real business outcomes so that value is created. And, and then being able to leverage KI as a company. You know, if you think about it, we're like a, we're like a microcosm of the global economy. Where, where can we take our capabilities and help others benefit by just having better insight, better information, better products, and doing things in a more effective, high-quality way? That's great. Well, Mike Teresi, thank you so much for joining me today, uh, for sharing a, a bit of this remarkable transformation that you and the team have been leading at Molex, uh, and certainly one of the, the, the technology leaders that, that has the, the, a remarkable amount of breadth and depth to your experience, which certainly comes through as you describe uh, the work that you and the team are doing. I really appreciate you taking time with me today, Mike. Well, thank you, Peter. That was very kind. I appreciate the feedback, and thanks for this opportunity. You know, I love being able to share what we're doing, and um, I look forward to 
being in further contact. Likewise, I do as well, Mike. Thank you again.